0: There we go there. We go now. I'm real.
1: Y'all look, y'all look good for nine nine in the morning, Nashville time.
0: <laughs> no, that is wrong.
2: the uh, Nashville time,
0: I'm never up at nine o'clock in the morning. Well, that's, no. a, that's oh, ten o'clock. o'clock. Yeah.
2: I'm like, no way.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, so early.
2: It's a lot. Yeah. Hi, by the way. Hi, I'm Sandra.
0: Hey, Sandra.
1: Nice hi. to meet you. Good to meet you, you, Carrie, yeah, it's great to meet you. Great to meet you too, hi, Laura. Yes. So, for people that are going to watch this, David and I know each other through my cousin's husband,
0: right? David or that's how, yes, yes, and that's how Laura knows both of them as well. Yes, yeah. Mayor Beth
1: and Jeremy, um, yes. because you, David, and Jeremy write music together. Yes, that's that's how you all know each other, and you are writing. Are we allowed to talk about it? Because you're writing a yeah. music, music for a new musical um, okay. on Broadway in New York. Hopefully, yes,
0: that's what we're hoping. Yeah, yeah.
1: We're all like, all
0: of us are we, like, yeah. There we, we, could be a Broadway, but yes, this is, right? Yes,
1: and all that's been kind of, uh, I know y'all are still writing just because Marybeth has been telling me, but. um, but right today actually. You are, oh, how exciting.
0: Are you guys, Um, so they're still moving forward even though we don't know really yet when Broadway's gonna open. We're still moving forward just because we know that we had stuff that we had to finish in the show. We've got some cr- high creative end people that we are looking at that are coming in on board. Um, that they're having some meetings with, and so we just had some gaps in the show. We had some a bunch of stuff in Act Two we had to finish, and cool. so we've just been taking advantage of this time to get it finished. Matter of fact, Laura, the the show is Esther, you know, and Laura seems yes. to the lead role in the show. So uh, it's beautiful, or oh, I've heard it's it, it's gorgeous.
2: gorgeous. Thank you, thank you. That's great news. Well, I, I, you know what? I I always find that if you have something to look forward to, you can keep go keep going forward. Well, but the. The not knowing, you know, and a lot of artists right now are just sitting here going, okay, what are we gonna do? Right,
0: right. And yeah. the timing the timing is everything. I mean, the, the way I look at it, I mean, I read a big article from the Broadway League director uh, just a while back. And she said, you know, it's gonna have to change what it looks like on Broadway at first. She said, we, but we don't, we don't wanna have shows where we have people sitting five seats apart and every other row. She said, it's gonna take away what the feeling is when you're in a theater like that, watching it, she said, but in order for that to happen, theater's gonna have to work with us. They're gonna have to, prices are gonna have to go down. It's not gonna have to cost as much to get theater rental as it is now, you know? So our timing for our show could actually end up working perfect and and make it a viable option. You know. I mean, you just never know. So we're just, we're not gonna stop working on it. Would you ever do it online? I don't know that we would just because we're so still in the, what I would still call developmental. I mean, our next step is that we've got a theater, I think in Utah, maybe, I think a company that we've talked to, there's been a couple that I don't remember where they are anyway, that we've talked about trying to find a place to do a full blown production of it so we can even do more development of it just before we get it back to New York. So it'll be ready. So cool. you never know.
1: Well um I'm re- thankful t- to both of you for wanting to um, get on our little talk show here uh, little <laughs> <laughs> well, <after> he <laughs> so um, but I just um I really felt like the story All musicians are really having a hard time right now, wondering what our jobs are gonna be looking like. And um, I know we're all musicians, but we're kind of in different lanes as far as what kind of music we produce and put out there. But I I just wanted to cross the bridge and find out, um, A, about your company, and B, how has COVID affected that? Um, We we would just love to know a little bit about you, like how um, you all have music degrees, I think, right? I think I remember uh, David and I talking about that. Yeah. Yeah, and so I just kind of, because um, Sandra and I do too. And so I just wanted to know how your lives spread from that and then also about the, how COVID has affected your business and your, the lives of your session singers that you have on so Gary, let them answer, girl. I'm sorry. I asked like a 100 questions. <laughs> <laughs> you not- had
2: too much coffee this morning. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I did. I'm like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm working on mine. I love it. No, I'm still, Laura, you- I'll let you start. You can tell them about okay. T 6 and all that stuff.
3: Thanks, Sarah. So, um, I love it David and I kind of edit one another as well so it's a good those are those are good partnerships um, we uh, so 1026 actually we're coming up on the two-year anniversary of um, sort of joining forces and David and I had come from sort of different worlds within the music industry I worked um, for a long time as um, a worship leader and then as um, a background singer touring with different artists on the road and then had kind of shifted from that. We adopted, my husband and I adopted three children from foster care. And so I Mm kind of shifted to um, being, needing to be more at home. And so I started doing more studio work as a result of that and less touring. And David and I met somewhere along the way um, in that season and Um, I was kind of working more in sort of the artist world. David was working as an arranger and as a singer, um, as a like choral producer. And so we sort of um, had this, started having the conversation, like what if we brought our strengths together? And um, it was at a time when people were calling us or uh, to contract sessions and they were needing certain sounds for things. And, hey, do you have a singer that can sound like this 40s, you know, Classic kind of jazz sound, or do you have a singer that could pull off this really rock edgy thing? And do you have something we could listen to? And so we would always say yes, and then we would scramble to get something that a producer could listen to because we really didn't, you know. Yeah, um, and what what <laughs> yeah, that? Sure, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. You know, <laughs> it's like make it till you make it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, what we realized is that there was such a need in our city. Um, To sort of create a vocal greenhouse of sorts and those things exist in LA I think they exist in New York Um, but we didn't really have that in Nashville and we didn't really have a place where people could go and say okay here's this roster of singers here's their demo reel check out what they do Mm -hmm. and so we formed 1026 and created that we've got about 50 singers on our roster and that's um, constantly changing we're constantly adding and um part of our goal even with 1026 is pouring into the next generation of singers and raising them up Mm -hmm. um to to keep you know the sound is changing what people want is changing and so really for us to stay relevant it's important to do that and then also for us to sort of pass on the legacy of what we know to the next generation of of people coming behind us as well Mm -hmm. so we formed six, and the majority of what we do is contracting for artist records. We might put together a gospel choir or a small BGV group, or we might um, put together, a, we've put 20 people on the floor for a Celine Dion record. Cool. Um, we've put 22 people on the floor for a uh, um, Hans Zimmer uh, video game thing for um, EA Sports Entertainment. And so it's sort of, we never know you know, on any given day, but it, it, we live in the vocal contracting world. And then we'll also be asked sometimes to arrange vocals on the spot as well. And um, so yeah, that's kind of a little bit about what we do. Would you add anything to that, David? Well, I would
0: just talk about the training she talked about. One thing that we started a couple years ago is we started doing a class called In Session. And so basically what we do is we just get, we get, Laura and I lead the class, but we run it like a session. And we put everybody in sections, and we've had over 40 people sign up each time we've done the class. I mean, it's been amazing. And we bring in a couple studio veterans with us, and and we give examples of, like, we do different kinds of songs. We do songs that involve head charts. We do songs that involve, you know, reading really hard choral stuff. We do stuff that's, you know, country three-part, whatever, just to really show them, here's studio etiquette. Here's how you work in the studio. Here's what you do. Because the problem is, when we both got into studio singing, nobody taught us how to do it. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, we just happen to be good singers. I was working at Disney at the time. This was a long time ago. And somebody said, Hey, have you ever done session work? And I was like, No. You know, and I show up to my first session, and here I am with these really amazing singers who've been doing this. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And so, what we're finding is when singers come in and we call subs to come in and sub in the studio, They don't understand etiquette. They don't understand how to call their mistakes. You know, it's just stuff I'm sure you guys deal with this too. And you're in, in a a different way, but it's, it's knowing the protocol of what it's like to be in that workplace where you're at and session singing, such a, a unique, tool and it's such a unique gifting that there are skills that you have to be able to know to do that so we've really like Laura said we're really trying to invest in the future because I mean we won't be able to sing forever you know what I mean we can only do what we can do and if if, and it's kind of a dying breed what we're doing and so if we don't start training people up so that's something we're we're passionate about and through this whole COVID thing you know we've just been passionate about we've had singer after singer email us you know hey I'm available for work if, if you have anything that comes up yeah. But we're kind of also, we're dependent upon producers producing music.
2: Right. Or so, I music mean, being produced or Disneyland being open or, 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 right.
0: That's exactly. Yeah. matter of fact, we've got a huge Disney show that we're in the process of working on right now. We were just about to contract a nine or 10 day session worth of work for, I think it was over 40 singers that we were about to contract. And, it's been delayed and been delayed and been delayed. And now we're kind of in a holding pattern because we don't know what's gonna happen with the parks, so.
2: Can I ask a silly question? Just because our viewers I'm sure are are originated in the opera world and this is so interesting to me. Can you quickly, briefly describe the difference between say a session singer and a backup singer and what kind of people
0: that would involve, you know? Sure, When, when I say session singer, typically what we mean is this is a group of singers that have a skill. Most of them, I would say one of their strongest skills is that they're really chameleons. They know how to really change their voice because a lot of times we're called in to do like, say that we're doing a cruise ship show. That's a good, you know, across the board example, because we may get called in and one song we're singing gospel and the next song we're singing full on legit classical, like a Cirque du Soleil type thing. The next thing we're doing is a big Broadway number, you know? And so these singers that we hire have to be super versatile in the way they use their voices. And they've got to know how to, to, to change at any moment. They're also really good sight readers. Cause we never get any of the music ahead of time. We walk in, they put all the music on the stand and we just start singing it and we read it off the page. And so that's what I say. When I say session singer, they will track us stack us. And then those become the tracks for these shows that we're doing, whether it's okay. a partnership or Disney. Okay. Background vocals typically are artist projects. So either A, we're gonna do background vocals that can involve session singing because then artist may want them. But on the flip side, it could be, we're putting together background vocals for an artist that wants to go on tour and they wanna have three backup singers mm. that are singing with them in their shows or concerts or whatever they're doing.
2: Thank you. No, that's very helpful because in the opera world, this doesn't exist. Right. Yeah. Huh. You know, yeah, fascinating.
1: Yeah, yeah, it really is. And I, I know that they're like when you start talking about changing voices, I was like, ooh, ooh, that's my happy place. I was, <laughs> it's, it's so fun to go from opera into pop into jazz into whatever. I mean, at least for me, around my house, that's what happens. Never on a job, but you know,
0: <laughs> they don't let you do that when you're doing one of them big operas, do they?
1: Oh, Carrie, yeah. oh, he does it
2: in rehearsal. Anyway, Carrie does is really. Carrie is Disney Princess personified. She <laughs> she she has a second career waiting for her, being a Disney princess. I promise you.
1: Um, so well, yeah, but Laura, you were a Disney pr- princess, weren't you? Haven't you recorded some of those voices? I, I I mean, not for
3: not for film, but for Disney parks. I've gotten to do um, several leads for different castle shows and different um, things at Disneyland, at Disney World, and. That's certainly been a highlight. I mean, when I grew up, I studied classically at Baylor, um, from Baylor. And I thought that I would go on to pursue a master's in that. And then the Lord kind of directed our steps another way and ended up in Nashville. But, um, I always wanted to sing for Disney, but I didn't know how that was going to work in Texas or Nashville. And then I found out one day about a producer who was doing a lot of work for Disney Mm -hmm. and got connected to him just I mean just through a series of crazy events and got to be a part of some really special
1: projects yeah that's amazing I love that
2: I have another silly question being an opera singer and not super familiar with this world do you always sing with mics do you sing sometimes without mics and if you do do you think about different vocal techniques
3: Sure. Sometimes we sing, we, we always are mic in the studio, but we are mic different ways for different projects. And that's really where an engineer comes into play and having a great studio engineer who knows how to mic uh, choirs for a certain sound or how to mic background singers or a gospel choir where you want a ton of you know, like kind of room ambient sound over the top. And so actually mic, um, mic technique and mic placement is huge. It's a huge part of what we do. David, would you
0: want to add anything oh, to Yeah, that? totally. Well, and that's another part of the training. That about there are so many times that like we may be doing a Disney session and there may be a figure eight pattern of a microphone in the center and we may have a group of eight people standing around that mic. Now, you have to really blend and be careful with what your part is and being able to, I mean, it, it's almost like singing acoustic in a room without a mic because you have to monitor it that then there are times when it's just me and two other guys on a stand and, you know, and so we always call, say, sing to the center of the mic. So if I'm standing in the center of the mic, the other two people's job is to sing into my sound, you know, so that it translate on the mic, translates on the mic well. And that, that is certainly part of the technique. I will say this too, you know, you talk about vocal technique, in my opinion, some of the strongest session singers that we have in this town are strong session singers, not only because their ability to sight read and be chameleons and stuff, it's because they have stamina, because they have great technique,
1: mm-hmm. because
0: everybody, all of us went to college, and we all trained, and people don't understand the, the hours that we sing. Mm-hmm. I mean, on any given, we, the, one, of the fir- one of the first things that we've done, I mean, we had a, we've done sessions because we've been doing some smaller sessions here in town, and as we have. It's not uncommon that we'll do four or five days in a row of six to eight hours in a day singing.
2: That that was another one of our questions to ask you, because I know these sessions are endless and they sometimes go two, three in the morning, right?
0: Well, you just, yeah, depends on what the session is. Yesterday, we had a nine o'clock start and we finished it, I think, 430 or something like that. And we sang all day, and, and then I had to stay after and do a solo, and then I had to come home and track something else for somebody in my own studio. I mean, and my voice was just, I was exhausted, tired. But again, I have good technique, and I know how to take care of my voice, so I sleep and wake up this morning and I feel totally fine. But if you don't have good technique, you just, you can't survive, and we've watched singers. I mean, we've watched friends of ours who have really struggled yeah. with, as they've gotten older, they've realized they have poor technique, and their, the stamina of their voice doesn't last as long, so it's a it's a huge issue. I want to sing well into my fifties, yeah. and well, I'm gonna you tell them. It.
2: Then, do you tell some of these singers if if they're your contracted singers? Hey guys, I'm sorry, but
0: we have we matter of fact, we've Laura can talk about her voice teacher that she goes to still now, and and that she's recommended to some of the people that we have here in our studio, and have told them you need to go to them, right, Laura? Yeah,
3: I've got a couple of friends who recently I was like, here's the number, I'm texting you, <laughs> call them. And, uh, I mean, here's the thing. I think, and I, I know you guys can relate to this with what you do. It's like we never fully arrive, I think, until we don't do this anymore. You know, like we're always looking to be better. We're always looking to hone in on that part of our craft or to refine that sound or to be able to approach this note or this part of our range that way, you know? And um, if we don't, then... I think then we get passed by, you know, because I think there are always people who are certainly doing that and have the drive to keep moving forward and getting better at what they do. Um right. and and so I do think it's important. I started about 9 months ago, every week I just do a 30-minute check-in with a voice teacher here in town and I'm doing those warm-ups every day and it just man, I can just the difference that that's made in um just my stamina. And also just, you know, you guys know this better than we do, but just even just setting up the vocal track for the day and the placement where it needs to be to have a successful day in the studio is makes all the difference.
0: Well, and let's just be honest. I mean, when I was in my early 20s, I mean, coming right out of college, I mean, every, there wasn't a session I didn't go to that I wasn't lip trilling or doing whatever and warming my voice up and being ready to go and making sure that everything was right in place. And right. you know what I mean? And what I found is, is that I got older in my career and started singing more and more. I mean, I would probably dare to say in my entire 30s, I didn't warm up once. I mean, I rolled out of bed and just sang. Here, well, just, and I are like, what? what? And I'm just saying, it's because we, we're, I was singing so much, my voice stayed in a constant place of being warmed up all yeah. the time. Okay as i've gotten into my 40s as i've gotten older it's kind of gone the opposite way because what i realize as i've gotten older i have to in some ways work harder and smarter and i have to make sure i keep my instrument you know where it needs to be and so i find myself doing more warming up than i used to do in my 30s cuz i'm getting older wait for 50 <laughs> it's coming i'm closer i'm closer than you think
2: it's not fun i have to do <laughs> two warm ups now i have to do the, like the pre warm up and then the warm up
0: Well, it changes. I mean, as we, and and that's, and see, that to me is our job as singers. I mean, this is our instrument, just like, you know, a trumpet player takes care of their instrument and oils their valves. I mean, you know what I mean? Like we have to do the same thing with our, with our voices and they're so fragile, you know what I mean? That anything can affect them. So, I mean, we, we promote as much vocal health as we can with all of our singers. And, and again, we, we have terrible stories we can tell you of singers that we know, especially females. I don't know why it happens to females more that have, after they've crossed that 45.
2: It's called right. menopause, pause, darling. Okay. Well, I was say it's yes, yeah, I'm
0: saying it's like I, with technique, I've just seen it be so hard. Like we've lost some of our finest singers that once they got over 50, I mean, they just could not sing in the studio anymore. I mean, and I'm talking, it was like, it wasn't like a gradual, it was like oh no, off the It's clip.
2: like a light switch. And it it's really is. a lot of fun. It's <laughs> not right. it's terrible so okay so you guys recorded this most amazing song at the beginning of the pandemic Carrie sent it to me and I I was in tears I think of all the things that were done online right Carrie that we saw this one just was so beautifully done so well produced so well sung yeah It is well with my soul right yeah and it was all done on iphones which is insane how did this how did you choose the song how did it come about how long did it take if you have a second to talk to us because of course it 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 moved me beyond tears
0: oh you're very sweet for saying that um it was one of these things that we had we had actually done a session and it was—I can't remember when it was, 17th of March or sometime like that. I just remember doing the session, and I remember we were all watching the news, and we were all hearing, "Hey, we're about to be quarantined. Like they're about to shut us down. Like, and we don't know how long it's going to be." Mm-hmm. I remember going home that night, and I was laying in my bed, and I thought to myself, "This might have been the last time I sing with these singers for a long time. Like, boy, I hope I didn't take it for granted, and I don't ever feel like I did." but it really caused me to take a moment of pause to go did I take this for granted like I'm gonna really miss this and I thought wouldn't it be great if we had a way that we could still make music together you know during this quarantine I want to still find a way to do this so I called my engineer up and said hey I have this idea and it's crazy and the song it is well with my soul is an old hymn that's just been special to me my whole life I love the story behind it with the guy losing his whole family and still being able to sing this this praise and being able to worship and I thought man this is just something that's speaking to me and it's it's just it felt universally comforting and so I just it was just on my heart so I told him what it was and he said David you have to do this right away so then I called Laura and I told her what my idea is. She's like, yes, but we have to do this like now. Like you can't wait. Like, and, <laughs> you know, right. and I like to say I'm the engine and she's the one that organizes all the pieces that are flying off as my engine goes as fast as it can.
1: She's the brains. Yes, right. I guess. Laura.
0: <laughs> right. So anyway, I, the next day, I remember I had some stuff to do during the day at home. And that night about dinner time, because I, I remember my wife was cooking spaghetti or something in the kitchen. And I walked into my studio and just started playing. And I thought, well, I might as well just do this. So, like within two hours, I had written this arrangement, and I and I really quickly scored it out, and I really started. It was tough because I I was trying to think of all the singers that I wanted to use, and I was trying to piece them and place them in the right order, and say, well, this person should sing here, and this person should sing here. So, I sent it to Laura and said, "Here's the sheet music. Look over it and see what you think." And she said, "Yeah, it's great." And literally by midnight that night, I mean all within a six-hour period, I had already sent everything to everybody. And when I sent it to everyone. I only sent them their little clip of their solo. So they only had 10 seconds of the song and I would oh. they'd hear a click track. They'd uh-huh. hear me playing the piano and they'd hear a guide part for their, for their solo. And I would, and I said to the email, I said, listen, here's your folder. Here's what you need to sing. Sing it. You're a studio singer. You know what to do. Know where your place is in the song and just deliver it like a soloist and be you. And then I gave them an all sing. At the end where the whole choir comes in and told yeah, them. That exactly. was beautiful. So everybody starts sending all these videos into me and I start putting it all together here on my end. And you know, once I got it all edited and put together, we sent it to our video editor with all the videos. We sent it to our audio engineer so he could mix it. And from the time we started to the time it released was was one week. It was six days.
1: Amazing. Cool. Yeah. And you started
2: it, Laura. You were the first person on it?
0: She was the very first yeah.
2: person. And you were in it too, David.
0: Yeah, I was at the end of it. I didn't want to, it wasn't about me. I didn't, and I didn't want I was like, I can't I only get myself some big solo at the beginning of it <laughs> because that wasn't, that wasn't what it was about. And because I was producing it and done it, I just didn't want it to be, it, because what I wanted to do is I wanted people to see, look at this community of of yeah. of voices that people recognize, but have never seen their faces. You know what I mean? And exactly. we finally got it and everybody heard this arrangement, nobody had heard it at first. It just, even now, I've listened to it countless times and there's still a moment in the song that it just hits me every time. And I'm, I'm just, it just gets me. I don't even, it was the perfect storm. Something just happened. Um, And just to see the people that, I mean, we've had celebrities, we've had crazy people reach out to us. Because it's I think it's affected them. I think yeah. it, it it's brought a comfort. And especially when COVID started, we had so many frontline workers and healthcare people that would say, Listen, I listen to this every morning before I go into the hospital uh-huh. or go to work and that was worth it i mean it was worth it for you know and this wasn't i tell people this all the time just so that they understand this was 100 percent a volunteer basis thing no one's made a single penny not even zero negative dollars we've literally everyone just poured their heart out because that's that's this community and that's who they are and i love that even more because they're just great people they just are
2: that's why it was so successful sorry yeah the cool
3: thing about it too i think uh, for us as session singers, our job is often to create the sound that somebody else needs for their project. Mm-hmm. But what was really special about this for our community is that everybody really got to bring that four or five or six or you know eight seconds of what they do if it was left to them to be like, who are you as a singer? And like, how would you do this? What's your personality? And they got to put that into it and so it was such a cool thing for us getting to see because it's like oh my gosh like that's what i love about that person's voice that's what's magic about them and just all of that fusing together to create a thing was really special
0: And, and what i love too is that we didn't we didn't have to reach far you know what i mean like these are all singers every singer and what we did too we were very intentional we said we want to get people on this video that are people that we've literally worked with in the last two or three weeks. Like every one of these people are actively working session singers that we work with on a regular basis. And it was so <laughs> fun to watch the video go by and go, oh, they're so great. Oh, they're so great. Oh my gosh, they're so great. And it just happened, you know, person after person. And it just, it put, even now, it just puts a smile on my face just to think of how amazing these people are. Well,
1: well so
2: thank cool. you both for doing that. Really, yeah. it was. Oh beautiful
1: and, yeah it was it was i loved how it flew it flew everywhere it flew all over the internet which That's is right really super cool yeah
0: yeah it was crazy i mean we, yeah. we we both said man wouldn't this be cool if it went viral and we got a hundred thousand views or something we thought that'd be do 5.3 million views later we're like
1: what uh, not amazing i love yeah. that. yeah okay so tell me this um sense because this is a huge topic of conversation in our world right now about getting back into the theaters but how are you all doing sessions in post or in the middle of COVID? Because when you talk about, you know, eight people or two people being around a mic, how are y'all, how are you guys doing that safely?
0: Well, I w- here's what I'll say. First of all, just for the record, and you can use this or not use it if you want to, <laughs> but it's now, I mean, I'm just being honest with you. It's been almost a month and not one of us is sick. Not a single one of us is sick. Nobody has gotten even anything ever, because everybody's been smart. And so we're still doing a heavy amount of recording at home. Like I'm still doing some of that yeah. stuff. I think they producers are finding ways to, to, to make work happen. But we just, when we do get sessions, we just have to be smart.
1: So, because Tennessee has opened up uh, free testing, I mean, my husband and I went through the drive-through down in, um, are you all requiring your singers like once a week to go get nasal swabbed or anything like that?
0: We haven't yet, just because for us, we haven't had to have, we haven't had to deal with that situation. What we've been doing is we've been sending messages out to singers saying, listen, if you at all have a fever, if you at all have a runny nose, if if there is any symptom that you might have, I understand that you want the work, but you're putting your other singers in in danger right and so everyone has been I mean I, I Laura can tell you I don't know that I've heard a sniffle or a cough I mean there's some allergy stuff that people have but I mean it's every, we're in Tennessee but everybody's been everybody's been really overly cautious I think again yeah we, and, and we're again, sort
3: of kind of quarantined sort of within our group I mean we have yes. families whatever but we're all being really careful of like I'm not going and sitting down at restaurants and you know like I'm Right, going maybe to the grocery store right. if I'm like I'm picking up takeout I'm like if I'm running into target it's to get the one thing I need and it's out and then it's home right. and then it's to the studio and okay. so I think everybody is sort of in our community I mean I don't know that we've sung I'm just trying to think it's probably been 18 or less singers that have been working consistently and so there's been it hasn't been like it's been this like 50 different people are coming in and out like it's kind of been the same core, and then a few um, people sort of interchanging within that but um and Laura said something
0: great too we were all I mean all of us I know all of us I did and my whole family did man we took the quarantine seriously yeah we took it very seriously I mean I think there was a month period I think I left my house twice and one of them was to get gas you know because I didn't need it any other time. And my wife needed me to go to the store. So everybody in our singer community took it very seriously. So by the time we got together, you know, we had been quarantined ourselves and said, look, we gotta be smart. And, and look, there are different pockets cause I work with the rhythm guys and with the orchestra as well. Mm-hmm. And so like the orchestra sessions, you know, all the string players pretty much are wearing masks for every session because they can. not right. And the brass players are, they're wearing masks on breaks. And then when they get into the room, what we've been doing is we've been spacing them apart. And, and, and we've done a couple tests. We actually did, one of the brass players did a, um, an air test with his trumpet. And they took a piece of paper and put it on a stand where oh. it, just was, it was just flowing like this. And he blew his trumpet as hard as he could straight into the piece of paper. Didn't move, didn't move at all. He put his trumpet down and then blew and the paper went like this. And what they were proving is they were proving as you're playing your instrument, it's not this like flash of air that's all just flying through the trumpet. You know what I mean? That's not happening. So what we've done is we've been making sure that we spread the guys out in a line so that they're just playing one way. Okay. They take their masks off, they play when they need to. And we're usually keeping it to smaller groups of six people, you okay. know, so that they can everybody can be social distanced away from themselves. And then when they go on breaks again. They put their masks on, so we're I mean, we're doing everything we can to stay safe and within the guidelines of what our state has allowed us, but also being smart, you know. And we want people to be comfortable. There are some players that have said, "Look, because we had a, we had a situation with some one person that was conducting, and he wasn't wearing a mask because he was having to communicate with everybody. He couldn't he mm-hmm. couldn't communicate without it? And he was far away from everybody. It was fine. And one of the players said, "Hey, listen, I would really appreciate it if I'm." I would feel more comfortable if on the breaks if you wore a mask just while we're here. And he said, no problem. And so, you know, there, it's a community. It's a loving community, and everybody wants to do what we can to work. So right. it's good to see everybody stepping up to the plate, saying, hey, we'll do whatever we need to to work during this t- yeah. Trying time.
1: Yeah, I was wondering if um if there were any of them that were having issues. I mean, personally. Oh, yeah. For myself like i don't know if i it would depend on the size of the room if i was coming in and we were in there for a prolonged period of time you know if it was like over an hour i would i would it would make me a little nervous
0: yeah and we never we never actually sing more than an hour typically with the way we work is we sing 45 to 50 minutes and then we take a 10 minute break that's just kind of how it works and we do that so that we can spread ourselves out and we can pace ourselves and again you're right there are some people that have made the decision hey I'm not. I'm not ready yet. And like, right. we have a couple instrumentalists that have that have. You know, one of them in particular. His mother lives with him, um with him and his wife, yeah. and she's elderly. And so he says, you know, I, I want to play, man. I need to be playing, yeah. but I I just can't put myself in that situation. So everybody's being everybody's being smart.
1: Yeah, I get it. It's ter- I mean, it's crazy, right? <laughs> Can we yeah. come down there and work for you? I know. I guess- oh my. Well, you
3: don't have to and get, and get on know. an airplane. Because Tennessee is, I mean, in Nashville, there's been more concentrated cases, right. but in Williamson County, where David and I both live, there's just been like 550 cases. So it's right. very low, like, so purport- And a lot of the, our seniors live in Williamson County. So it's just, you know, we're not in a super densely populated area. it's more of a suburban area where we live. And I, I think we're sort of reaping the benefit of that, right. you know.
2: Sure, yeah, I understand me that. Me too. I'm Let's up in the middle of a forest in Canada. Oh, wow. The deer can't give it to me.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and
2: we've, been,
3: you
0: know, we've been, Laura and I have been talking too, you know, one of the things that we're trying to do is we, you know, we're trying to work right now at connecting with some of our contacts in LA and New York and say, hey, listen, we're in a much safer place than you are. Our numbers are way, 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 way low. I mean, if you look at the percentage of people that live in Williamson County and what our numbers are, it's it's like 0.00 something. I mean, it's way low what our percentage is. And so because of that, we've been wanting to formulate some emails and send to some people in those other areas to say, listen, I know you guys can't work right now and you have clients that are dependent upon you working. What can we do to not take your work Because we don't want to take anybody's work. But what can we do to facilitate helping you keep your work while we're able to work down here? Because, again, this is one of those things that you're seeing. We're all, when it comes down to it, you know, whether you're an opera singer or a session singer or a musician or whatever, we're all doing the same thing with the same goal. And that's to bring music to people's lives so that they can be happy and it can do something and it can affect them. If we can help another person that's doing that, then that's what we want to be able to do. Because, really, we're all in this together
2: yeah beautifully said can we just like edit everything out and just put that right up there because <laughs> that, is, that is what people need to hear and you know what you guys are not doing it for free you know you're doing your work you're not putting out you put out that beautiful video yes for free to inspire people but it's not like you're putting up all of this free streaming content right you're still working and and yes. making making yourselves available for work and that's amazing and
0: Right. And that's what people ask me all the time. I mean, I've done countless interviews about this It is Well video and people are always like, Oh, when's your next video? And when's it coming out? And Laura and I have talked and said, That that's not why we did this. Like right. we weren't trying to monetize on something and go, <laughs> Hey, we've got a great fan base. Look at this, we're just gonna put song after song out. Now yeah. I mean we are is there another project? Yeah, we're talking about a Christmas project that we wanna do. Oh, cool. And, and, and that's kind of our next endeavor that we're going to do with 1026 because we feel like the time will have passed enough and we and we feel like we can actually go in and do it well and actually shoot some real view, videos because let me tell you something, I'm done videoing myself on a cell phone.
2: <laughs> Zoom, totally. as much totally. as I love Zoom
0: right Thank you. we have done so many i mean gosh we have done so many virtual choirs we you know we did one for it as well we did one for the nfl draft we did one for a big company in here uh Town lifeway i just did one for a big massive church thing and i'm like i'm done over
2: it
1: over
0: it. <laughs> yeah what do
2: they call this it's zoom fatigue or something there's a, there's a term for it I'm, of course there is and there's
0: totally <laughs> zoom fatigue it's real it's yeah. it is a real thing
2: He's, you know, we're gonna after this. We're gonna start talking like it, but uh, but uh, <laughs> I, I know exactly. Well, I'm, and you uh, know,
0: what, I know I know you're here to talk to us too. But I'm curious, like in your world, what's the update in your world as far as opera goes, and as far as like, is the is it just still? Because I know you're like the last phase. Yeah, oh, we are, we're phase. We, four. we are
2: beyond Carrie, right? We're beyond the last phase, right?
1: Yeah, well, yeah. It's well, it's just uh it's different here in the states and versus Europe, Europe is opening up slowly, trying different things, having that, but they also have smaller theaters. You also have to look at the financial aspect of it because it's subsidized in Europe. It's not subsidized here in the States. We have theaters that are between 2,500 to 4,000 seats. So like, I think, I don't know if this number is correct, but you know, to open up the Metropolitan Opera, it costs around a million dollars just to open up the door. So a friend of mine told me that I haven't
0: fact checked that, so don't. Put well, that that's what I mean. That's the that's basically Broadway running budgets per week or a million dollars a week. So right. that wouldn't surprise me at all for the men.
1: And how do you how do you financially sustain that kind of opening when you have social distancing and you can't you know put enough seats butts in the seats to pay? So um, it's a, everything is a little crazy. And they've just now canceled the Metropolitan Opera season um, for the fall. It's so and, Yeah, I mean, we both have jobs in the fall, which we haven't been told yet, but I I feel like we're looking at, you know, at least through the fall being closed, that's nine months out of work. I mean, that's...
2: But what they're doing, what the opera companies are doing, which is the big difference, I think, between our business and your business, is that they have a, a lot of archives. For instance, the Metropolitan Opera has these vaults of HD opera performances that they're now streaming for free. Hmm. And we as artists are getting no revenues from that. I was going to say, how fair. does that make you feel as an artist? Well,
0: yeah.
1: it,
2: it, you know what? You know, I mean, you two know better than probably even us. Because I'm sure you're saying, oh, just sing this little track. Just sing this little something for us. It, oh, come on. You know, we have value as artists.
1: Absolutely. Of
2: and course. it is our job. It is our job to do what we're doing. It's not like you. we do it because we love it. Yes, we love it. But we have bills to pay.
3: That's right.
2: And by them putting this out there for free, it is forever out there for free.
0: Oh, right. And so if people know that they can go see Don Giovanni or whatever it is at the Met, why are they going to come see you do it at the Washington Center or whatever? You know what I mean? Like, why would they do that?
1: Bingo. Exactly. And and now... And now with, the, there was an article that just came out because there's some companies that are trying to put up seasons, you know, or concerts or whatever and charge, you know, let's say $4.99 for virtual, you know, to, to get into the whatever and watch it. And, um, but then the people are like, but why would we pay when you guys have been opening up and giving everything to us for free now? I mean, why? So it just, you know, how that started just, I felt like it, lack of a better word, screwed everybody. Um, yeah. you, spot,
2: you know, wait.
1: And yeah. that's, that's
2: a state that we're in right now. We are in this overloaded online world because all of the opera houses, when one opened up, then, you know, it's set a precedent. All the others opened up. And we're looking at, I'm sure, next year, for sure, any kind of staged opera. We don't know. At, at that
0: Well, and honestly, we've we've said too here, I mean, as you see the numbers lower, and as you see it start to flatline, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, Mm -hmm. I think some of the decisions that have been made for September, I think are a little hasty. Because I think in some ways, people are making decisions based on not having information. I honestly think it's barely, you you can't even determine what's going to happen a month from now. You know what I mean? And so, I think that right now, these people, they're all looking at dollars. You know what I mean? Like, I worked on a whole show for a theme park. A whole show. Like, I was done. I tracked rhythm. We had started mixing. All we had left to do was horns. And I got a call from the company and they said, yeah, we've, we've canceled the season. And we're not doing it at all. We'll, we'll put this show up next summer. I mean, so, I mean, I get it. I mean, they have to do what they it's
2: have to do. Say again? We live, in, we live in a very litigious country or air u.s more than canada but still we're very litigious unlike i think over in europe not so much so if somebody were to walk into disney that that, you know what you were making for disney and and somebody god forbid had covid and gave it to two other people exactly Financially, you know, Laura, right? Oh,
3: totally. Yes. And I think that's, I mean, we've seen the most devastation. Yes. In our session singing community, our touring community is really suffering. Really. Um, and I think that's the thing. I think people are terrified of being held responsible if two people got nice. COVID and then if they sued or if they like, you know, like, what is that going to look like in the future? And so And I don't think anybody wants to be the first one (laughs) to put themselves out there. Yeah, that's true.
1: You know? Well, well, and also I think because, you know, for a concert like that or for an opera that's two hours long, it plus the it's that with that science coming out that's saying it's really about prolonged exposure to to an enclosed environment which is where we live i mean our rehearsal rooms the orchestra rehearsal rooms the opera theaters themselves half the time we're in the basement with no yes. windows no fresh air nothing so right. that, with asbestos in an old building yeah, <laughs> yeah. <You> guys, <laughs> you, i mean you so have
2: the windows right they, they're usually these little dark cells that you're singing in because right. yeah.
1: Yeah. It's um yeah it's all an issue and and you're right I think nobody wants to be responsible for the first or to be a hot spot. You know what I mean a yeah. hot spot of oh this is what happened and look at how many people passed away. I mean how horrific would that be? So Horrible. It's yes. um, this, pass. this too shall pass, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: well no and, it, and and it will and I think we're going to well you know it's so funny my daughter uh said to me the other day she said dad my friends and I were talking about how we're living through something right now that's going to be in history books. Yeah you know, this is something that people will talk about forever. Right. About when this happened. Right. And, you know, I, I think in some ways, you know, obviously we know our country's divided in a lot of issues right now. We we totally understand that. But in some ways, I feel like COVID's also unified our country in some way, because I think in our world, this I was, was going to say the whole world, not just your country. something that, that not just one person was going through. This is something that we're all going through and we're having there is a new normal and even if covid i mean it's never going to go away but even when things change there will be a new normal i mean there just there has to be yeah
1: Yeah, and i think our business is trying to figure out what that new normal is how how and and what i love about the change is that it's also discussing how can we change the model how can we change this antique way of things and diversity within now that's a huge which it always should have been but now it's a huge discussion of how do we get more diversity in the theaters in positions of power, those kinds of things. So I, our, I like business, our business needed to change.
2: It was antique, antiquated. It was, in my opinion, close to being on the brink of ruin, at least here in North America. Mm-hmm. And so maybe this is the kickstart that it needs. I don't know if your business needed a change or a boost or something different as well, but you know, I,
0: we're pretty. You know, one thing I think our our business, especially Laura and I, what we do, we're we're champions of diversity. I mean, d- diversity is what's make what makes us special. Actually, it's one of the things that makes it possible because you know that's what people want. And and I, and I think, I mean, gosh, there are times that I look at our session and I think, man. I wish the world looked like what some of our sessions look like, you know. And I mean? so the diversity that we have in our community, Laura can speak to it even more than I can. But I think it's one of the things that sets us apart.
3: Yeah, I think, I mean, yes, it's like kind of a whole, you know, different topic, maybe for a different day. But just even right. this week, um, some of what we've been dealing with, you know, the whole blackout Tuesday. I don't know if that made its way to John Canada, Canada Sandra, but that was started, and the whole thought behind that was started by the music industry um it was started by several big record labels to say we're going to take a pause like we cannot go on with business as usual and just say sorry this is happening in the world love you but we're just carrying on you know and then the whole world kind of got behind it as as a movement and it turned into something you know completely uh different i think than even what it initially started out to be but we Took that time we had a session scheduled that day and it was very important to us to set aside the day to move the session which is not an easy thing to do in our city when you've got a dozen people involved you know but we took the time tuesday to um really reflect on okay how can we do this better how could we've been reaching out to our african-american brothers and sisters with whom we work on a regular basis and saying we need to hear from you we're asking you like here, like our ears are open. We wanna know like, if we've offended you, if we can do something better, if we can um, make this space safer for you, where you can completely let your guard down and feel like you are 100% seen and known and loved and valued in this space, you know? And so we are asking those questions even in the midst of what's happening with COVID. I think part of even what we're dealing with here with the issues of diversity, for me, I think why it's such a specific um, or such an interesting sort of historical moment. And I do think this will be another historical moment. I think it's partly because we're seeing videos of things happening so succinctly in such a short period of time and people who've never really had to be faced with like, oh, is this really a thing? Are seeing like, oh, this is undeniably a thing. Like there's no way you can say this is not happening systemically and disproportionately in our nation, you know? Um, But also I think coming on the heels of COVID, I don't know if this is true for you, but everybody I've talked to who has been living in this interesting time has said, there are things that we will not carry forward when we get out of this season, things that we've learned about ourselves Uh, a slower pace of life. We don't want to go back to just a crazy rat race, you know? And there are things that I think we've all drawn some lines in the sand during this season. And I think these issues kind of coming on the heels of that has been great because I think people are saying no more, like we are not tolerating this anymore. And so we're trying to figure out how -hmm. to have the conversations and to be a catalyst for change in our city. You know, we live in the South and racism is very alive and real
0: here yeah, it, is. Um, it is and Laura said something so huge I mean look our job there's no way we can fix the problem what they're what they're what our brothers and sisters are asking us to do is to listen
2: yeah
0: because too many people are trying to be problem solvers and too many people are trying to be social media experts and that's <laughs> not what, you know what I mean that's not what we need to be doing right now we need to have open ears and we need to try to listen because there's no way that I can understand there's no way that i can understand none of us it would be foolish for me to even act like i can understand but you know what i can do i can listen and i can love right that's it and
2: stand up and
0: stand up and and have and and let your voice be heard yeah
2: absolutely and Sandra, to your
3: point i think you're talking about just sort of some of the, you know, antiquities in the opera world that need to change. Yeah. We've got some of that with some of our print work and, I, and we see, you know, sort, <laughs> sort of less and less of that happening because churches put less and less value on choirs, to be honest. Like it's, we're more of a worship team driven culture on Sunday mornings. And that's been a shift that's been slowly happening over time, but we certainly see that. And I think print companies who have made a living providing resources to the church and to church choirs, are asking those questions to say, okay guys, like this is not working the way that it worked. So, and you know, just like the music industry when streaming became a thing and they had to really figure out, okay, how can we pivot and adjust? And now record labels are making money again. Yeah, You know, but it's just that, that transition time is so uncomfortable because we're all affected. And how can we sort of make it through that to get to
2: the other side of? whatever this will look like change is scary absolutely human nature nature, change is scary and so we're in a huge time of change right now and i think we have two options we can embrace it or we can reject it and i think because of covid people have had like you both said we've had time to reflect and i think change is not just necessary it's essential Mm -hmm. and in in every aspect of life, in the environment, in the music business, mm-hmm. in in diversity, and <clears throat> you know, and it's also Pride Pride Month. So I mean, mm-hmm. the universe is just throwing it all to that as it. Right.
0: I hope when it's all said and done, I I hope what doesn't happen is that we're all champions for such great causes right now. And everybody's on such high alert right now of being aware. What I hope doesn't happen is that when we get past this, that people get back to what I call comfortable. Right? Yeah, you know what I mean? Cause sometimes comfortable is easier, but I think that's what we're challenging people to do is if you're comfortable, that's not a good thing. You need to be uncomfortable. You need to be aware. You need to get to a point where where the new does affect us in such a way that I think it will be so much better for everyone else. But you, but it's just like, I, I use the word, I talk about marriage. I mean, it's like that. It's like so many marriages fail because they're, they're not willing to go to the, through the part that's uncomfortable to get to the other side where you've grown. And right. that's what we have to do. We've got to go through the part that's uncomfortable to get us to a point where, The new normal is who we are and it's a different place. And I really hope that we can all come out the other side of that. And I hope that there is a change for the better. I mean, that's what I hope.
2: Conversation. That's what we need. We need to all talk.
0: Yeah. No,
1: I watched, uh, I'm a huge fan of Leslie Jones, the comedian, and she's uh, 52 and just put a thing out on her Twitter account that said, um, you know, I was actually, I was the 20, 30 years ago, I was the 22 year old out there with my jackhammer breaking stuff Um, out in LA, in the LA riots, thinking that this was going to change, something was going to change from this, and nothing did. She said, and how I feel at 52, how things are going to change is in the voting booth. And I'm not talking about just the presidency, I'm talking about our sheriffs, I'm talking about our mayors, our governors, everybody, that you need to educate yourself about who, when the vote is happening, how to get registered to vote. This is the only way, systemically, is that the right word, that things are actually going to change so that what you're saying, David, where the momentum goes down, the momentum is just, should just be starting as we go into this new election year. So at least in our country, but I love when she said that because that was, that felt more something that I could do that. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I don't actually even know who our sheriff is, but I need to find out. And Correct. I need to out who he is and what he represents. So. Totally.
0: And you're so right. How many people do you know that go into the voting booth and go, oh, well, I'm just going to vote for the president and vote for, for this person. Cause I don't know who any of these or, other people are. I've
2: done it. Or when, when okay. I live in the States, you just push one party, you know, right. Republican or Democrat, and then you just vote all those people down the line. and i think we're so past that
3: i I
0: hope we're we're past that i do too you have to be past that we have to yeah Yeah. i mean
1: on that note yeah we don't want to keep you because we know you got stuff to do but can we ask you a couple rapid fire questions that we always ask everybody really quick of course yes
2: okay and we can you can both ask you can both answer them really quickly if you want to
0: Hey, Laura, you go first and I'll go second. That way okay. we know. me first.
2: first? Okay. okay, I'll go first. You <laughs> could, uh, Ladies first.
3: Ladies okay. first.
0: Okay. Um, gentlemen.
3: Oh, what right. your right. guilty pleasure? My guilty pleasure. Um, it's probably, okay, it's a couple things. It's an Aperol spritz.
1: Oh, yum, girl, yum. Or
3: <laughs> it is anything like dark chocolate with salt, like that combination of salty dark chocolates, my okay. favorite.
0: okay. Okay. My guilty pleasure is sports media. I love it. Like I am a stats guy. I love to like when I have time and it's just me and I have something I can do. I want to go and read stats of how many yards somebody got in a season and or how many, you know, goals they made or whatever. I'm a huge sports junkie. Love it. Cool.
1: Oh, it's my, Oh, it's my turn. Okay. Well I'm going to ask this, but um, y'all have a favorite curse word because I do. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. do Um, Curse. I have a feeling you do, but you might not want to say this on the video.
3: (laughs) It's, it's funny. Yeah. I might not say my favorites, but I have a couple that are go-tos. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's funny for me is I say, I didn't really ever, I was not a cusser until I started going to counseling and then it just was (laughs) like, Oh no, like we got to get this out. And there's just no other way than through these words. Like, And so somebody can give me some better ones. These are the ones I'm using.
1: No, you know, I, you know, my uncle, uh, Mary Beth's dad actually asked me the other day, he was like, have you cleaned up your videos yet? And I said, (laughs) listen, I go, listen, I cuss and drink a little and Jesus still loves me. So it's all right.
0: (laughs) Listen, I'm telling you, I never was, I grew up. I just was not, it's not part of my normal vocabulary to Mm -hmm. curse. I didn't start cursing until I started working in the church.
1: You saw on oh, yeah. uh, I'm
0: just saying, like. <laughs> I said to carry on this, I said, you
2: cannot ask them that. No, you
0: can ask that. I mean, look, I mean, I, we have them. I can just tell you, we both have them. And the fact is, when you work with church people, everybody there feels like they, you know, I'm not even going to get it. That's a whole other conversation. That's a whole oh, other video.
1: Right.
2: <laughs> I never cursed until I started working at, at uh, the big opera houses and all the stage
0: crew. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Sailors. Oh. Yeah. Okay.
2: So what song can't you get out of your head right now? Hmm. Okay. There's a couple for me. Um,
3: Sarah Bareilles, there's a song called bright lights and cityscapes and it's been out for a while. It's on an EP that she put out, but I think it is like one of the most beautifully crafted raw vulnerable vocals that I've ever heard in my life. It's just brilliant. And then there's also a Shoshana Bean song called All to Me. And it's it just just slays me. I mean, I can listen to it 10 times in a row and not get tired of it. Ooh, I'm going to go hear that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know what? For me, it's there is not one. And here's why. Cuz I'm writing so much and singing so much, like the song that is in my head is just song I'm working on at the time. Cuz like I never get in the car and listen to music. Effort I listen, to talk, I listen to talk radio, I listen to anything like that, but I never put the radio on, I don't, I don't listen to it. So right now, the song that's running through my head is this Esther song that we're working on, which is our big 11 o'clock song number in our show that Jeremy and I have been working on and we're working on it today. So that's the song that's currently in my head. I got
2: uh, it's always playing, that's what I say to my husband. It's always in my head. We don't play music at home.
0: No. But
2: totally,
1: yeah. Um, what's the most beloved thing you own? Hmm.
3: That's a good question. Well, I'll tell you this with the thing that I'm launching with the thoughtful table where I'm talking a lot about heirlooms and I've been blessed to have like recipes from my great grandmother and for my grandmothers on both sides and mm-hmm. their China and some of their stemware. And so when I set a table with those things, I can't help but think that even though they're not with us physically anymore, that their story and their legacy is kind of present with us at the table. And so I've just been thinking about that a lot lately. So that's the first.
0: That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, And you're so much more like emotional and sweet than I am. Like, (laughs) One of my favorite things that I own is in my studio that I just got back about six months ago. I got the piano that I grew up learning how to play that finally I was able to get transported to Nashville. Cool. And so now it sits in my studio. I started when I was seven years old. And so every day when I come into my studio, cool. I see this piano that started my whole music career. So that's kind of one of the most cherished things I own.
2: I love that. So what sound or
0: noise do you love the most? Mmm. Mm. Oh, I'll answer because I can tell you. I love the sound of a football stadium. Oh. I love it.
3: That's yeah. good. I love the sound like the most. I would say like the sound of a giant choir or a live orchestra. Like I just don't know that there's any replacement for that.
1: For that. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want a last question? Cause I don't want to keep you. We've already talked yeah. for an hour now. Okay, last question. Um, I mean, I know y'all know that heaven exists, but the question is, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say as you enter the pearly gates?
0: You barely
3: made it in girl. <laughs> We're glad to
0: hear. <laughs> No, Laura, she didn't say, what will God say? She said, what do you hope that God says? No, I just wanted to be
1: like, come, come in, come in. Come in girl, come on in. Yeah, come on in. <laughs> Run fast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: You know what? For me, this is going to sound so stupid. Um, But I almost want to hear God say thank you to me. And I know that sounds so stupid. But the reason I want to hear him say that to me is because I think he would look at me and say, thank you. You pushed through all the crap and we're still able to come out the other side and still I was still able to use you because you were able to continue to humble yourself because Lord knows I shouldn't be making it to the pearly gates but for somehow his grace will allow me to get there so I think he won't be saying thank you for doing anything for him because I don't need to do anything for him I think he would be saying thank you for not giving up yeah. but for me it would be hard easy to give up
1: Thank yeah. you guys so much for doing really. this. With us. Really appreciate it. So nice, to meet, so nice to meet you, of you. i like
0: to meet you too. Now I just want to go spend some time because I know Carrie's voice, but I don't know your Sandra. So I want to go and do a little bit. I know. Oh, okay. See,
1: well, just FYI, I just want you to know that this woman here, I guess to my left, is truly, and I, I really would say this without her being here, is really like one of the superstars of our business. Um, and we've been friends for almost about nine years. But um, she's what she's accomplished in her career is just truly like an amazing thing. And um, and she is she's one of the top opera singers of the world right now. So it's it's love. I just have to tell you that you can make me so all emotional cool. here. All right, I a, love,
0: I'll tell I'm you totally as we go. I didn't know anything about opera until I got to college, and I was it was part of my major, and so I had to learn a lot about it. But it was one it's one of the art forms that speaks to me differently than any other art form does and i absolutely think it is one of the finest it's like i talk about golf and sports is one of the hardest sports to play because it's so technically difficult and we have i have mad respect for what you do as an opera singer because i know how difficult the training and everything that it took to be able to do that and you're a you're a rare breed but there's a reason why you are um because it's not
1: we'd love to say hey
0: we'd also love to stay connected with you i love i love our two worlds Colliding right now. It awesome. awesome. It's awesome. We it's like it. making a thing. Yeah. Yeah, I
2: love it. Because, yeah. I would love to, love to see what a studio session looks like.
0: Totally. And I've recorded we CDs, this.
2: but yeah. I, I'm sure it's a lot different. So.
0: It is. I, I'd love to keep this relationship going and find a way yeah. we can let our worlds collide because I think people Sweet. from both sides would, would benefit from that. I agree with you to 100%. Yeah. Love Absolutely. it. Love it. All right.
3: All right, you guys. Thank you so much. Thank it was so you. Fun. Have a great
2: day. Take care and
3: we'll you see you do. all as well. Yeah. Stay well. All right. Thanks. Bye. Thank Bye. you. Bye. 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 <laughs>